The future of business is responsible. El futuro de los negocios es reescribir el crecimiento de las empresas. Conscious commingling of growth and impact. Le futur du business est conscient et responsable. The future of business is intentional and transparent. Welcome everybody. Thanks for listening and good to have you here at the Future of Business podcast, where we take you to discuss with us the diverse range of sectors and stories here in the Oxford MBA cohort and how these people and stories will shape the future of business. My name is Andreas, and today it's my privilege to be hosting both you and Alejandro to discuss the future of branding. Hi Alejandro, how are you doing today? Hi Andreas, I'm great. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Alejandro and I are both part of the current MBA cohort, and we are also both part of St. Hughes College That here in Oxford. Correct. Why don't you briefly explain to people what a college is and what you like about St. Hughes? Well, a college is basically kind of like your residential hub, at least for us grad students. And I mean, it's I think the equivalent would be like a Harry Potter house, I'd say. Um, but it's basically your, your, your family outside of the school, a place where you go to the dining hall, a place where you go to the library to meet people outside of, of, of your discipline. And so we are blessed with beautiful gardens at St. Hughes, like probably one of the best gardens that are here in the university. Yeah, absolutely. St. Hughes has really cool gardens. And also St. Hughes is home to two cats called Admiral Flapjack and Professor Biscuit. That's correct. Spoiled fat cats that are very much um, a big part of my heart here in Oxford. Um, but um, let's get away from cats. That's not what we're here to discuss today. But maybe instead of me talking about cats, you can talk a little bit about the work you're doing um, and why it matters to you. Right. So I, um, well, I come from a from a branding background, and for those who don't know what brand is or have like a very ambiguous idea of what brand is, basically. Uh, branding is, you know, the soul of a company. You know, your brand is the soul of a company. It's not a logo. It's not just the name of a company. It's not just the color palette and, you know, things that look nice and shiny. Uh, it's much more than that. And we, it's the essence. It's the soul of, of a company and uh, basically what differentiates you from your rivals or, you know, other companies out there. Yeah. You already talked kind of about how the brand is the heart, the soul of the company, really. Um, and I feel like if I asked an accountant a question, he would talk about how the balance sheets are the soul of the company. But clearly, there, there's more to this than, than, than a, perfect, a personal likeness. Um, and I think the cool thing about brands is that they're so visible. So I think in theory, a brand is what a consumer makes out of a company. So you, you could even argue that the brand belongs much more to the people than it belongs to the company. Because at the end of the day, they are the ones who kind of remember it or, or form it or perceive it. Um, and it's clearly something that's meant for the public rather than internally. Um, and at the same time, what I sometimes struggle with a little bit is just like the difference between what is it that a brand is compared to the product or or the the organization behind it. Can you maybe very briefly kind of help us separate products from brand here? Absolutely. And I think, uh, and let me start by saying that 
they are not different things. And I'll tell you why. Uh, but first, I think it's funny that you mention uh, accounting because I think that's one of the most difficult aspects about brand. It's really how you quantify it. And uh, it's been a challenge, right? Because there's no direct kind of measure or KPI about like, you know, how many brandatons, you know, does your company have or, you know, reports every year. But um, one of the best ways to measure it or at least to kind of indirectly measure it. And you, you mentioned that as well, how visible is it, you know, how relevant it is to consumers. Now, I will say that, yes, you know, it, consumers usually get the most out of the brand. But let's not forget that's also for the employers and for people that work in the company. Right. So we uh, when I, you know, I was lucky to work for a very uh, great branding agencies. Um, and one of the phrases that we used to to use all the time was a brand needs to help outsiders to buy and insiders to believe. So you have to always pay attention to those two groups. Right. Yes. Consumers get most of it and they cherish it, but also employers, because at the end of the day, they're working for that brand. Let me let me just try to recap this. So this is we the brand is supposed to help outsiders to buy and insiders, and insiders to believe. Correct. That does sound like something a brand agency brand agency would tell their clients, but in a good way. It kind of sums up the power and the relevance of this. And clearly, the more competitive the market is, looking for talent, especially we look stuff like banking, tech, um, developers, the, the more relevant it gets. And that more these companies are investing in in talent in branding agencies to look after something like employer branding and and personal branding. When you look at at what branding does, so we discussed a little bit why branding is important as a software company. We talked about the differences it has to product and the role it plays for both internal relations and consumers, external people. Can you talk a little bit about? where branding is heading. What is what is the meaning of branding today compared to, let's say, I don't know, 10 years ago? Mm-hmm. And, and what is the next big challenge that branding has to solve for companies worldwide? Sure. And I'll, you know, I think I'll start by uh, talking about the difference between brand and product because it's really relevant to actually where brand is headed. Originally, you branded something because you wanted to distinguish the product from another product, right? So, you know, for example, a brand that comes to mind that really started to do this was Dove. You know, yeah, absolutely. back in the day, you know, they wanted to show that their soap was way better than, you know, the soap offered by the competitor because it was made with, you know, milk and nourishment and that. So, but if you think about it, it was a one-way thing as in like, well, I was just marking something as mine it was a very kind of possessive type of brand and it evolved you know throughout the years that possession you know that original meaning of brand evolved into a dialogue you know between the consumer and the company and now more it's more like a forum because you're not only having a discussion with the consumer yeah it's important but because we live in a super connected, hyper connected, hyper visible world, brands need to be paying attention to many stakeholders, and that's why they they need they need to host a forum. And I think that's you know that's what that's something that it's gonna keep evolving. You know, brands doesn't matter what type; they need to be truly embedded into what's going on in the world. They need to be finally aware of the context 
of the social, political, economic status of the world and react to it. Let's um, let's maybe stay with that for a moment and, and try to get more concrete about some of these ideas. Some of these ideas. So I really kind of liked you touching on the original meaning of branding as something where you mark your own possession. I'm not sure if people know, like, that it's called brand branding because back in the days when people had sheep or cattle, they would take some sort of mark and heat it up and push it into the animal side to literally brand their name or their mark into them to make sure that people knew that was their cow or their sheep. I'm pretty sure it's not being done anymore, at least not by any of the brands we like, but I'm sure somewhere somebody who's not caring about how the consumer perceives them is still uh, marking their animals, animals that way. And you talked a little bit about how, how in the beginning it was quite easy to be like, I just want to differentiate my soap. And then you said something interesting talking about how, how now it's not only a dialogue, but it's even a forum. Um, and that sounds quite abstract. And I wondered if, if you could help us kind of kind of drill this down a little bit and be more concrete about this. So when I think of Duff, I had no idea that there's milk involved in, in, in these soaps. The, but I, I know this brand so clearly, and I know it for these advertisements that are celebrating diversity and bigger women and women with different skin colors. And I remember these campaigns where people are like throwing like a girl and were kind of celebrating what it means to be a woman. Um, and I see how this is um, talking to us and, and to our society, but I don't see the form aspect of it. Can you try to kind of take this brand as an example, Dove, and help us understand a little bit what it means to be a forum? Um, and maybe that's a concrete example, something to kind of pin this down to make it less abstract for us. Sure. I think, uh, I mean, it, Dove is a great example because obviously, um, well, I mean, it's it's a brand that's been around forever. Right, and it it's seen an evolution, you know, throughout the years. So yes, first it was about differentiation, and then you know it established a relationship with its customers, listening to them, their needs. Uh, but it really became a forum uh, when they started to really push uh, the the essence of real beauty, which became their brand essence. Right, real beauty it doesn't matter the way you look, it doesn't matter you know, the color of your skin, your curves, your shape. Like you're beautiful. Uh, and they weren't afraid to break stereotypes or not not stereotypes but to kind of like break with the status quo of showing just like the perfect body type yeah every time right celebrating realness and it became a forum because it was not just the people buying the soap that were like um happy and uh felt identified with the brand with Dove but it sparked a whole conversation around uh, real bodies, real beauty, about women empowerment. And uh, I, that is why I, I, I truly believe that brands have a, a higher duty, if you will, you know, to, uh, to make the world a better place, to just not just sell soap, but by spreading a message, spreading a purpose um, and acting on it, they can really make a difference in people's lives. Spreading a message, influencing people, sparking conversation, that is all still one way. How does this come back to the brand? Because what, what you describe, I think what you have in mind is some sort of interaction, some sort of multi, multi-sided process going on. So can you talk a little bit about how building a brand and being in dialogue with your consumers is then coming back to the company, to the product? 
Well, because social media has been, I think, the key to make that forum happen as well, right? So it's not just broadcasting the message, but also paying attention to what the uh, users. And notice how I didn't say only the customer or the consumer, but users, because they can interact back with the brand. And not every brand is good at listening to, you know, what happens in social media, but the majority are, have become very attuned to do it, right? They listen, they take, you know, whatever they're saying on Twitter or on Facebook or on Instagram, they take it into account. Like what? Like how? How would Like, for example, like? Um, we were, uh, we were, you know, not long ago, uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken, for example, had a really issue, a real issue with chicken in, in, in the United Kingdom. And uh, obviously people were angry and they, you know, they took it to the social media to kind of like vent about how like, you know, a chicken restaurant didn't have chicken, right? So Kentucky Fried Chicken, obviously aware of the disaster, embraced that conversation and launched a campaign that was incredibly successful, right? Like they, they scrambled the letters of the logo, spelled something that, um, well, you know, kind of shows that they, they, they didn't do a good job, uh, you know, with their logistics, but it was a genuine apology. And they were able to not only listen to the people, but own that conversation and basically change, you know, change the topic into into you know into i'd say into like more of a human situation where like you know like yes we made a mistake but we're trying our best yeah so kentucky for chicken that, that seemed to have some delivery issues with chicken i guess there was a supplier involved who cut who cut negotiations off at some point and stopped delivering so they ended up closing all their restaurants and then people complained and they then they rebranded their logo to say fck yes um, that is I'm a word. I'm not sure that, if we're know. allowed to swear on here. That's why. Um, <laughs> but it was the the FCK, and then it became a huge thing, and then it, it, it a huge media buzz. And it's kind of clear how this branding exercise helped them reach more people, be be very visible in the society, and also probably reach sales. And it also is kind of clear at this specific point how the the initial spark of this campaign was not coming from the brand but from the consumer exactly i think i think that's something that, that i can kind of kind of relate with quite easily um can you maybe talk a little bit about how branding is gonna evolve in the next couple of years and what kind of the, the the future of branding is well for for once i like to see the word brand almost disappear i don't like the word brand what but but instead i actually like the word identity I know that I, the idea of identity, of corporate identity, was used in around the 60s. And it was a very traditional way of brand, as in, like, I'm going to stick a logo everywhere. Stick a logo in the soap dispensers in the bathroom, right? And that, you know, that was basically the essence of corporate identity. Like, you basically want to make sure that everybody is constantly aware that you are in a company's environment, right? And Which now? is not very good. But... I like the word identity. Perhaps you get rid of the corporate because, I mean, you don't need to be a corporation to have a brand or an identity. You could be, you know, a small business, a large business, you know, it could be a personal, ident a personal identity. And that is exactly why I think it's important because an identity is not just the way you look, but it's the way you behave. It's the way you interact with people. It's the way you react. You have a point of view. It is a whole package. So I like to see businesses more, talk more about their identity as opposed to ask, their brand because brand still has that uh you know that kind of like legacy meaning of just you know marking your things with a hot iron you know so 
how would it look like if a company or an organization is evolving their identity over the next couple of years? Right. So I think, um, first of all, I think they need to be real. I don't want to say well yeah let me let me unpack it you know like and 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 not necessarily woke right because and I'll talk I'll I'll talk I'll tell you about the difference I think they need to be aware of their capabilities so for the longest time uh, brands were um, well they were only concerned about what they did and how they did it right but not really about why they did it we have a massive explosion of company purpose and purpose driven organizations and some of them did very well you know Unilever was one of the first ones to kind of have a really strong purpose that to this day, you know, really distinguishes them from their competition. From Nestle, for example. Continue. And then, um, and then for example, Patagonia, another incredible purpose-driven organization, right? Everybody kind of lives by that purpose, including the founder, employees, even the customers, right? Yeah. But I think it became like a trendy thing to just do. And if you were any company, they were just like, oh, we're going to save the world. And it lost a little bit of authenticity. It lost kind of like the genuine aspect. How of to get it purpose. back? You know, that seems to be like a, like a core issue here that, that I feel like it, what you're describing is a little bit saying that at, at the moment we are in a moment in time where brands are a purpose a company has that is somewhat linked to saving the world and everybody's kind of doing the same thing with this. Um, and I think we, we can see it. I think if we kind of reflect on the, the brands we know, I do think there's there's a clear pattern emerging on on people using the, the same set of mission mission statements, the, the, the same set of value to kind of, you know, empower people and save the environment and save the penguins and all. Um, and I think what, what you're talking about is now that we need to get more authentic and more specific in, in forming our identity. Um, can you maybe um, try, to, try to kind of bundle this up in like, in like, in like one example of, of a company that is or is about to or has kind of come away from a purpose-driven way to general brand to a more specific authentic identity that is more sustainable and more doable in this next period of branding. Okay. Um, the one that comes to mind, to be honest, is Spotify. I mean, they just really have like a good, I mean... They are changing the world, right? I mean, but their purpose doesn't 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 really establish like we are changing the world by every song you listen because that's fluffy and like, you know, like if you were a massive energy corporation and you know you actually have the power to change the world and change the world at large, the whole ecosystem, the whole environment. Sure, you know you can talk about it and hopefully act on it. But if you are Spotify or if you are, I don't know, any other brand that does, I don't know, deodorant, right? It's like, stay true to what you do. And if you really want to inject a purpose, you know, really make it tangible to people. You know, you know, maybe, you know, if I want to listen to music, if I'm going to listen to music, um, I just want to have a good time. I just want to remember things. I just want to dream, right? So, and Spotify is very well, very, very well aware of the power of, transportation in terms of listening to music takes you places, right? So the purpose is framed around that, you know, about connecting with others through music. That's great. People believe that. But if suddenly you start to sell me deodorant thinking that I'm going to fly or that I am going to suddenly, you know, cure every single possible disease with my deodorant, then yeah, sure. I mean, you're well-intentioned, but like, do I really believe that? So there needs to be a match between, you know, (laughs) 
between what you are and what you do, really, and then also, you know, what you really can accomplish, um, because otherwise it's just empty words. And we see a lot of empty words these days. Absolutely. And, yeah. and I think that Spotify is an incredible, powerful example, because there's few brands out there right now who has as much power in raising prices as Spotify has. We were talk. I was wondering about this the other day. If Spotify was to raise their price for one euro per month, would I leave for two euro, for three euro? And it's astonishing, and frankly said, frightening, of how far they could go. And and if I if you ask yourself the question, who else has that strong impact of it? Who else has that strong of a connection with us that they are able to change the price point and would still stick with them? Few things come to mind. Maybe few things. Maybe a cloud storage where my data's on I can't get rid of it but uh, apart from that I really think that Spotify is a really great example also given the fact that how they are competing with major tech companies and doing they're doing really really quite well mm-hmm. I kind of um, want to stress test this a little bit okay um, because we talked a little bit about how product and brand are different and with Spotify one could argue that it's not a brand and manages it's just a it's just a great product um Trying to keep this brief, can you can you tackle a little bit? L- let me um let me put out like a conversa- like con- confrontational statement and, and you debug it All right. briefly. Um what if Spotify would be changing their brand identity next month to buy dance music? And it would still have all your playlists, it would still be an amazing product, still have recommendations, it would wrap, you know, the stuff they do every year, but it wouldn't be Swedish anymore, it wouldn't be green anymore, it wouldn't have a different name, a thing thing. Why, why, why is it not the same thing? Do you know something that we don't know, Andy? <laughs> I don't. No insider thing. Uh, okay. Okay. Um, no, that is a that is a that is a very uh, you know that is a very powerful statement. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and say that people will complain. People adapt. You know, people adapt. Uh, I mean, and if I if I maybe go come back with something a little bit more controversial, but people were up in arms because Facebook changed their name. You know, the Facebook parent company changed their name to Meta, right? People were like, "Well, that's not a solution," you know. That's true, right? Yeah. It's not the solution, but it eventually becomes effective because people ha- have to get used to it. Just by by the sheer as- act of that, they have to get used to it. They can't complain, but they can't do anything about it. Will there be hard, you know, hard feelings around it? Yeah, sure. Now, obviously, the Facebook Meta name change is trickier because of obviously all of the the things that have happened around that company. But in terms of Spotify, if, if tomorrow, you know, Spotify becomes, you know, I don't know, something random like Music dot com, I don't know, you know, something sillier, perhaps, um, people will be like, well, I don't see the point of that. But eventually, they'll probably get used to it because. It is a phenomenal service. But that's why um, I need to remind you that the brand is not just the name. It's the whole experience. Yeah, I agree. I feel like, so, it's, I feel like you made a good point here. I think it speaks to both the holisticness of a brand as well as its limitations. It, it both shows how, how a brand is supposed to be much more than just a color code. And it, it speaks much more to like how, how we perceive them holistically and, and at the same time how, how at the end of the day what companies do is about how, how they improve our lives, how they solve challenges that we are faced with 
um, independently from, from their name. Um, and, I, and I do want to drop a funny funny anecdote here. Um, with Facebook changing the name, the Fang, Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, Google, became the manga. You guys can um, go through this by yourself, see if you can figure it out, how Fang became manga and how you feel about that brand now. Which is, in, in some ways, much more fitting than Fang, if you think about it, you know. I'm not sure if manga fans would agree, but I do know what you mean. The point is, um, and you know, to reiterate, uh, the brand is more than a name. Brand is more than the logo. You know, brand is much more than that. It's a very holistic thing. You know, it touches upon the product and the service, upon you know the, the office space, the culture, uh, the experience, and even the innovation. Right, and it's very holistic, and that's how you need to think about it. We're looking at this this big world of branding, um, and your time here in Oxford. Um, what is it you want to do with the MBA in this branding world? Can you? Talk a little bit about how the MBA fits into your career and what you're getting out from from this in the branding context. Well, you know, because I think brands are not created nor destroyed. And I am a brand. You are a brand, right? So I think right now I'm trying to rediscover what my brand is. You know, you can't invent yourself from, you know, it's really difficult. And, uh, and if I take that analogy to corporations, like it's also really difficult to invent out of something out of thin air. So you just really need to discover what is it exactly that you want to do next? And uh, I, for me in the MBA, I think I'm using kind of like my branding sensibilities to find my path, you know, talking to people, listening, you know, having a forum, you know, with many uh, inputs, many new experiences. And that's going to help me, you know, recheck, revamp and hopefully, you know, evolve my brand into where I need to be and where I want to be. That is a... Uh... Nothing sharp, but a, a wonderful way to look at an MBA and the opportunity it presents to you and, and your career you're doing. Um, and with that, I'm left to thank you very much for taking the time, Alejandro. No. Thanks for sharing your wisdom and your and your brand with us. Oh. And we're <laughs> profiting from your likeness here and hopefully, hopefully from your reach as well. Um, and to all of you folks uh, listening in, thank you so much for hanging out with us for about 25 minutes. And I hope you will hear us again at the Future of Business podcast. Oh, thank, thank you. Thanks for the MBA. Thank you.